Welcome to the Live to 110 podcast. I'm your host, Wendy Myers, and I've got something to say. I love having a podcast and a blog because I have so much that I want to communicate to you listeners and teach you. I love educating about health and wellness. Today, I'm interviewing Amir Rosick, author of the book, The Sleep Solution System. If you're having trouble sleeping and you go to your doctor, he's just going to give you a medication for sleeping. Big surprise. Amir's book, The Sleep Solution System, really blew me away and I regularly refer clients to it when they have trouble sleeping. So today, Amir is going to tell you a million different ways that you can improve your sleep and toss your Ambien. Many of them are really surprising. But I have to do a little disclaimer. Please keep in mind that this program is not intended to diagnose or treat any disease or health condition and is not a substitute for professional medical advice. The Live to 110 podcast is solely informational in nature. Please consult your healthcare practitioner before engaging in any treatment we suggest on the show. And for those of you who are not in the know, I wrote an e-guide called the Live to 110 by Weighing Less e-guide. There's a new version of it on the site right now. It's version 2.0 and about 500 people have downloaded it so far. I've gotten such a good response from it. It makes me really happy. So if you go to my site, live to 110.com, it is available to download for free. Just sign up for it on the homepage where it says welcome or on the sidebar where it says to join the Live to 110 community. The e-guide is a 35-page basic weight loss guide. It's filled with the latest research about diet and exercise and other tips on how to conquer your cravings and reduce stress. It's a primer for my book, When Diet and Exercise Are Not Enough, A Step-by-Step Plan to Eliminate Your Roadblocks to Weight Loss. It'll be available sometime in 2014, but at the rate that I'm going, probably Christmas 2014, it's a very consuming process. And you know, I'm a perfectionist, I like to do a really good job because I want to create a really, really good product for for my readers and listeners. So uh, it's going to be a while, sorry. Today's show is on improving sleep. In the past, I've had pretty serious sleep problems. For years, I used to wake up in the middle of the night for sometimes a couple hours, and it was really frustrating. Um, But hey, at least I got to see like every movie ever made. I'm like a movie encyclopedia now (laughs) because of that experience. Um, And I frankly always thought I'm never going to die in my sleep because I just don't sleep that well. Um, But I know many of you listeners, um, there's one of the biggest health problems we have today is getting enough sleep. And some people even try to sleep and they just can't. They just, some are sleeping four or maybe six hours a night if they're lucky. And it's just because uh, there's many, many different, uh, many, many different causes of this. And Amir is going to enlighten us today on that. I personally, I've done all kinds of things uh, that you listeners may have attempted to improve your sleep. I bought a Tempur-Pedic mattress. I spent like $2,000 on the thing. And now I'm finding out that it's actually one of the most toxic mattresses that you can buy um, because it off-gasses toxic fumes a lot more than the next mattress. So so luckily I get to inhale that all, all night while I'm sleeping. It's lovely. And I can't really decide if I'm sleeping really good because I'm comfortably seeking into the foam or if I'm high from breathing in all the toxic fumes all night. 
Um, but you know, in the end, I improve my sleep by using a sleep mask and supplementing with calcium and magnesium citrate and chelated, of course, and this solved my sleep issues. Uh, it was pretty simple for me, but for others, it's not that simple. Um, so uh, Amir is going to give us his words of wisdom. But first, I, I have a really good sleep tip for you ladies out there. If your husband has difficulty getting to sleep, the words we need to talk about our relationship may help a lot. It will do wonders. And that one, it always helps my husband go right to sleep. And that's really the best sleep tip that I've got. <laughs> I'm sorry, I know you guys didn't sign up for a bunch of boring sleep jokes. So let's get on with the show already. Today, I'm thrilled to have our guest, Amir Rosick, on the show. Uh, he's got a couple websites, amirrosick.com, A-M-E-E-R-R-O-S-I-C.com, and sleepsolutionsystem.com. So definitely go take a peek at those. They're really, really good. Amir is a registered holistic nutritionist, a functional diagnostic practitioner, and a functional medicine practitioner. And he's written a book on kettlebell exercise training and kettlebell routines called The Kettlebell Advantage, and is currently writing a second book called Diagnostic Testing and Functional Medicine. I'd be interested in that. And he's also a writer for the Huffington Post, but today we're going to be talking about his latest book, The Sleep Solution System. Amira, thank you for being on the show. Hey, my pleasure, Wendy. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm very excited to have you because I, I heard you on another podcast and I everything you said really resonated to me about how to get better sleep because that's probably one of the number one health issues that people have or the number one uh, complaints people have and it you know profoundly impacts their health. Um, so I'm really, really excited that you're on the show. Thank you, thank you. My pleasure. Uh, so you just did Sean Croxton, uh, Croxton's Real Food Con. How was that experience? It was fun. It's always good to uh, work with close friends, and uh, it was a blast. We uh, educated a lot of people in the world. Hopefully, we helped a lot of people, too, to improve their health, and uh, I had a real, real great time doing it. Why don't you tell the listeners a little bit about yourself and why you wrote The Sleep Solution System? Uh, well, the problem with the health world today is a lot of people are looking at it in very, I would say like linear point of view, meaning diet is the only thing. And if, if your diet, uh, you know, is perfect, you're all set, which that's not the reality of things. We live in a world called epigenetics. It's a, I want to say new science. It's a fairly new discovered science for the mass uh, public out there, meaning we are the product of our environment. It's expression. Our genes aren't set in stone. So that's why you hear people are more prevalent to cancer. Well, maybe because they're living a toxic life. They're uh, eating you know, shitty foods, they are not sleeping properly, they have a toxic relationship with their loved ones, and this toxicity is feeding into the expression or overexpression of, say, cancer genes, right? At the same time, you can have an individual that has the same cancer genes, but does the opposite eats a healthy diet, sleeps accordingly, uh, has a beautiful, loving relationship with their partners, and that gene is turned off. That's epigenetics. It's like a, a dimmer on a light switch. It's certain degrees that dictates the expression of those genes. Now, what led me to sleep was my own personal uh, experience with it. For the last five years, where I, when I started my health journey, I was really linearly focusing on diet and exercise. 
but as a professional athlete and as a person always looking to improve the best version of myself, I started, you know, looking to different avenues of how I can recover faster, how I can actually increase my performance and how I can get just a little bit clarity and memory. Memory is always a big one for people. And that's when I whole discovered the world of chronotherapy and chronobiology and how we are dictated by the laws of nature. So man doesn't make the rules, nature makes the rules. And that was kind of like my uh, hitting point where I really got addicted to the world of sleep and how actually sleep controls your diet. It controls how the molecular molecules within your body behave. And sleep actually controls everything on who we are because we are mammalian species that actually recharge at nighttime through sleep. So it's a whole interwoven system that kind of like fascinated me and something so simple as just a little bit of tuning and fixing your sleep has dramatic potential beneficial effects towards your health. I know people don't realize that they're trying to get healthy. They just need to go back to the basics and just get more sleep. So what are some of the health consequences of not getting enough sleep? Everything. Well, let me, I'll tell you this. A person who hasn't had proper sleep for two days, so 48 hours of sleep restriction, has the same blood sugar levels as a diabetic. Wow. Yeah, right? So even a new study just came out in Scientific America showing that sleep deprivation is linked to Alzheimer's because of the degradation of amyloid or sorry, the myelin in within the brain. So there's so many things like sleep controls your T3, T4 thyroid metabolisms. It controls your circadian dieting with the leptin and ghrelin. It controls cortisol response to stressed out situation. It controls growth hormone, controls your mastered uh, antioxidant called glutathione. So the sleep is connected to everything. Your hormones are uh, on a clock, a circa clock, and the circadian clock runs on a 24-hour period. That means your hormones in the morning are different than in the afternoon. There's no such thing as a static human being. We are quantum beings. And that being said, when you go against the quantum clock, basically nature shuts you down. And within our uh, supercasmatic nucleus, within the pineal gland in your brain, we actually have uh, like a bank, right? And this bank actually counts the hours and days you actually miss on sleep. But what does that correlate to? In real life, we have the opportunity to pay back our loan, right? Worst comes worst, you call bankruptcy and you're bankrupt for seven uh, seven years. Well, in the world of uh, chronobiology, think of your life actually shrinking. So the more you deprive yourself of sleep, you're actually cheating days away from your life. Wow, so what is the number one reason that people are sleep deprived? My number one reason? Or, or anyone's. What, why do you, what, in your opinion, what do you think is the number one people, one of the number one causes that people are sleep deprived? Well, let's first start with the individual. I think awareness is a huge cause. People aren't really aware of the fact how important sleep is. People say, yeah, I get by on four or five hours of sleep. But if they truly spent even an hour on the internet or listening to, uh, you know, podcasts such as this, they would understand the perceived value of how important sleep is. So it always starts with value first and awareness, like figuring out, okay, wow, now I really know that sleep, you know, controls my hormones, sleep controls my mood, sleep controls my weight loss, sleep controls my energy levels. So once that person acknowledges the importance of sleep, then that one individual takes onus on himself to start improving his or her aspect of life. But, you know, it always starts with oneself and there's a lot of people out there uh, I, you know, I was one for a little bit that like I thought I could get by on a little bit of sleep, but reality comes and bites you in the butt and uh, you got to think twice. 
Yeah, I've heard a couple of people joke that they'll sleep when they're dead. And I'm like, well, that's probably going to be sooner than you think that when you're going to be yeah, taking that dirt we nap. Can, we can order that <laughs> checkup quite soon. Yeah. So um, how does one's uh, sleep impact your ability to lose weight or to maintain a healthy weight? Because I think this is a big question a lot of people have and don't realize that um, they're not going to be able to lose weight as easily if they don't sleep enough. So how can someone biohack their sleep to lose weight? Yeah, I'm not a big fan of the whole biohacking thing. A lot of people are trying to like, no offense if Dave's listening to this, you know, biohacking is a huge rage, <laughs> but... Uh, you know, you can't really biohack nature. Let me put it that way. What, yeah. The more you go against the natural tide of the universe, how we've been living for millions of years, the more you'll realize that nature likes equilibrium. Nature enjoys a homeostatic relationship with its environment. And this whole ideology of biohacking your circadian sleep cycle is going to come back and bite you in the butt. Let me put it that way. So let me rephrase the question. Let me put it as how can you actually, in simple steps, increase the REM quality of your sleep to improve your thyroid metabolism, improve a circadian hunger cues in your body? And it's quite simple. Timing of when you go to sleep matters is very important. It's not how long you sleep. So you hear people talking about like, oh, I slept 10 hours. I'm like, congratulations. What time did you go to bed? I went to bed at you know 1 a.m. Wrong answer. You know, yeah. It's not going to work that way. So our body and how their circadian system is functioning or dictated is by photons and light. So certain wavelengths of light, you hear about people talking about blue wavelengths, you have red wavelengths, you have different sets of pigmentation of wavelengths and they, and they oscillate on certain hertz, you know, uh, degrees. And uh, that's why we're active during the day and that's why our cortisol are high during the day, our adrenaline is high during the day because we're in the presence of the photons and the wavelength of the sun. And that's why we get tired at nighttime. And I'll give you this uh, or paint this picture for you is they had a study. I always refer to this study. I'm, I'll send you a link afterwards. You can put it in the show notes. But they have participants in the room. It was dark. You couldn't see in front of them. And the only thing that was exposed was a portion behind their knee. And the researchers shined a red laser beam right behind their knee. That little dot of the laser beam, laser beam was enough to stimulate cortisol. So that goes to show you that our whole body has photoreceptors everywhere. It's not just our eyes. Everywhere on your body has photoreceptors, and we're controlled by the exposure of light, right? So that's really huge that people need to understand that light exposure dictates as a zeitgeber. So environmental cues, is that's the biggest environmental cue that controls how your sleep works. And the more you're in direct sunlight during the day, the better sleep quality you have because of phosphorylations of proteins in your brain and accumulation of certain stuff. Second, the more you're exposed to artificial light at nighttime after sunset, that's a carcinogenic. It actually will decrease the quality of your sleep. And I'm going to be the first one to say it, it will cause rapid mutations of your cell. Yeah, I know. I actually make it a point to get out during the day and spend 30 minutes in the sun, which, you know, my dermatologist would think I'm insane, but uh, you do need it. It, it, it regulates our bodies. Um, so let's talk about how diet affects one's sleep. You know, I know from my own experience, I don't sleep as well if I have a big meal or a snack late at night. And so what exactly happens to cortisol and other hormones and blood sugar levels when one eats right before bed or has a, you know, a bad diet in general? Yeah, so that's another thing. Like we have ancestral mechanisms of circadian dieting. Uh, 
ancestrally speaking, we didn't have the comfort or the safety of really eating whole foods or these meals at nighttime because, well, we even before the advent of fire, we didn't have fire. And the only thing shining on us was the moon and the stars. And for safety reasons, we kept quiet and we went to bed when the sun set and we got up when the sun rise. That being said, most people have dinner very uh, soon to bedtime, like an hour or two. And most people are probably eating their high carb diets uh, and this high carb diets is increasing insulin uh, causing hypoglycemic effects during the night period of time and what it does even worse it causes something called a, a dysregulation of your circadian rhythm with your two master hormones that control your metabolism and hunger cues so you have two hormones one and i'll just paint a simple one is called ghrelin that stimulates hunger and the other one's called leptin that kind of shuts off hunger when you're satiated and when you go to bed on a full stomach right before uh, right before bed, your cortisol is elevated, your insulin is elevated, and this will cause a dysregulation of your ghrelin and leptin. Therefore, the next day actually causing your ghrelin to overexpress and your leptin not to be functioning properly. It doesn't have a high affinity for binding in your brain. So that's huge. So now you just keep on eating every two, three hours. You're having these sugar crashes and you don't have natural hunger cues as you should be. And that's huge that people need to really, really understand that sleep controls how much intake of food you eat and how much you need to stabilize your homeostatic uh, energy demand during the day. Yeah, that's not. What about, uh, you know, only eating during daylight hours? Because something I tell my clients that are attempting to lose weight is to, if they, they eat at night, it's going to improperly stimulate certain hormones. Yeah, I have a rule of thumb, three hours before bed. Uh, and my bedtime for anybody, it doesn't matter if, uh, we do live in a modern day time, so I found a safe zone. There's a good safe cut up zone, which is 10 o'clock, and that's in bed by 10, pretty much sleeping by 10. Three hours, so seven o'clock would be your dinner, and it'll be a low carb dinner, no carbs, because I do not I do not want to spike uh, any insulin and cortisol at nighttime. Uh, so yeah, definitely do not eat at nighttime for many, many reasons. Uh, and it's funny because we, we're so used to this convenient factor of walking to the fridge and eating what we want, when we want. We, we're a society of give me, give me, give me, and I don't care for the consequences. Well, huh, I'm going to tell you uh, there are consequences. There's big consequences, and those consequences are disease, type 2 diabetes, cancer, Alzheimer's, Parkinson's. Those are the consequences. And it's no wonder we in the Western society here are one of the sickest people in the world where the World Health Organization is predicting by 2020, one in three will have a form of cancer. Yeah, that's frightening. Yes. Yeah, and it's also, you know, what you just said, that when people don't get enough sleep, they have the blood sugar of a diabetic, and it's, you know, it goes without saying, you can make that connection that that's probably one of the contributors to diabetes epidemic that we're having. A hundred percent. Like your sleep controls how your cortisol and how your insulin receptors work the very next day. That's why when people have lack of, okay, get this. 
So a new study came out showing that the lack of most people who have, say, a lack of sleep or can't go to sleep, they crave sugary foods. And we have an enzyme, a digestive enzyme in your saliva called amylase. And amylase is used to break down carbohydrates and sugars. Now, people who are shown to have uh, this, uh, you know, lack of sleep or not sleeping efficiently have a tenfold increase within the amylase enzyme within your saliva. So that makes you think, why all of a sudden are we having an increase in the sugar enzyme in our mouth? Well, maybe because your body wants sugar. Well, why does your body want sugar? It's simple. Your body wants to induce a state of hypoglycemia because if anybody remembers that they had high sugary meals, they usually crash two hours later. What does that crash equal out to sleep, right? So your body's trying as best as it can to actually induce sleep once more. So when you actually decrease the quality of your sleep, your body's craving sugar on a nonstop basis. Yeah, I, I find that too. When I don't get enough sleep one day, then the next day I'm eating more food and I, I am craving sugary foods. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. and it's, it's all from the circadian rhythm of sleep and how you have, uh, I call it the negative feedback loop in your body, how one hormone dictates the outcome of another hormone or neurotransmitter. So let's talk a little bit about food sensitivities and how they impact your health. Well, you know, I, I talk a lot about those and um, it never really dawned on me until I read your book that they can also affect sleep. So how exactly do food sensitivities impact sleep? Yeah, so there's certain foods out there such as uh, modern day gluten, commercial dairy, uh, some people who really have AI are uh, for corn, soy is a huge one, and sometimes nightshades. That's a really, really severe cases. Uh, so these foods, these proteins, so that's the problem. So proteins in the foods are actually stimulating your immune system. So IgA within your GI tract or IgM. And the stimulation of immunoglobulin A or immunoglobulin M actually therefore increases cortisol, will increase a histamine response. So maybe your H1 to H4 histamine receptors in your body. And the stimulation of cortisol and histamine will cause something called cytokine storm so these like interleukin thicken them like taxi driver messengers from your gi tract to your brain and this stimulation the storm is like hurricane in your body is causing you to become active it's uh, misbalanced between your parasympathetic and sympathetic states so certain foods are poison think of them as alarm clocks so all these proteins are eating these foods are alarm clocks and they're just waking up your body and your body's like oh my god leave me alone right so that's why it's huge to really understand the certain foods. So in my practice, there's no ifs or buts. Uh, grains, for the majority part of them, are out. Uh, commercial dairy is out. Soy is out. Corn is out. Uh, certain people, like I said, nightshade is out. And uh, even even for some, even for some, it, but this is like a rare case as well. It depends on the source. So the source is really more important here is eggs. Yeah, I hear a lot of people have problems with eggs. We eat them so much. Yeah, um, and that's not, that's another thing, the whole seasonal eating that people need to get back to. But that's a whole different topic. But going back to the eggs is like we had a, we had a, I had a client and a lot of other practitioners talk about this as well is, uh, you know, she, she wouldn't be reacting to one set of eggs, but then go to another farm's type of eggs and she's having a horrible, horrible reaction. It all depends on what the farmer is feeding the chicken, which honestly, they shouldn't be really feeding them anything. Chickens are carnivores. They're warriors. I love chickens. Like, 
I, I respect chickens and they're awesome creatures and they're great pets. Uh, you know, I'm pretty sure the farmers can agree. They're quite sociable and they fend for themselves. They do the chicken thing as Joe, Joe Salatin talks about. They eat the worms or crickets, their bugs, and they can take care of themselves. There's no need for us to feed them poisonous soy and, and corns and, and uh, you know, all these like other foods that they never ate ever in the history of chicken life <laughs> mm-hmm. i know i always make sure my chickens have dark yolks is that dark orange yolks and then i know that they were they're pastured that's right that's if right they're yellow they're fed corn and grains um, but yeah i think it's really important that people pay attention to, if they're having sleep problems to pay attention to food sensitivities or do a food elimination diet because it profoundly affects a lot of people 70 percent of people have a food sensitivity so i think that's uh i really like that you you brought that up and you mentioned that in your book and uh, so let's talk a little bit about parasites because parasites are another one of those things that um, people are not aware of. Their doctor is not talking about it. No one's talking about it. So can you explain why parasites could be a problem for some people and not getting a good night's sleep? Yeah, so that goes back to like histamine. So cortisol controls histamine. That's why a lot of people who have histamine reaction like take hydrocortisone. Because uh, it reduces histamine reaction, so at nighttime your cortisol should, if you have healthy circadian rhythms, decrease. But as soon as cortisol decreases, histamine reacts, and a lot of people who have parasite infections have a direct correlation to histamine. Also, with the parasites, they're going to release uh, toxins from the parasites that stimulate cytokine storms. So these like a taxi driver messengers from your GI tract to your brain that cause other issues. But you got to also look at mechanical issues. Like parasites are actual physical living creatures that move around in your Small intestines have even been shown to go in the heart and the kidneys and the liver all over the body, actually. And at one point, I, I was looking at parasites and saying, oh, well, you know, they shouldn't belong in the human ecosystem. But the more research I went into and the more studying I did, I kind of realized, hmm, wait a second. So many people are trying to eliminate these parasites, but really with no success. And they keep on coming back and back. And I read a recent book by, uh, oh, what's his name? Uh, Moises is a fantastic book talking about like autoimmune epidemic. Oh, I interviewed him last week. <laughs> yeah, he's great. I had him on my show as well. A great guy. And uh, we're talking about, you know, after the podcast, certain third world countries that have exposure to bacteria more or less than the Western society because we are, you know, we're scared of bacteria, the whole hygiene hypothesis thing. And I come to the conclusion that I, I truly believe parasites are natural part of us. The question is, why aren't we living it in an equilibrium with them anymore and that's why i'm trying to really look and focus on so the question is are there certain foods that you're eating that your parasites don't like or the geographical locations of your parasites and you can ask anybody who's been fighting a parasitical infection or h pylori infection they've been trying to fight it for years and trying to attack the parasite directly but with no avail it's very very hard even for pylori for example which is not a parasite however people need like three rounds of high induced uh, antibiotics and even then it's not taken care of so the question remains is yeah it's really good to identify certain parasite infections so doing like a pcr uh, stool genetic testing for certain labs kind of pricey but honestly worth every penny for a lot of people and once you identify certain these parasites you can figure out you know what's a a natural uh, approach to uh, live together with these parasites because it's been shown too that people with like pinworms and other uh, creatures these parasites within the body actually are healthier than other individuals that don't have them 
So you have to look at ancestrally speaking and evolutionary speaking, we are in an ecosystem. We're not humans. When people think of humans, we're not. When in fact, we're 100 trillion uh, bacterial uh, DNA cells and 10 trillion human somatic cells. So we are in an ecosystem just like Mother Earth, just like the soil. We are soil. So we have to figure out why our ecosystem is not living as a society as it should be together. Yeah, and I, a lot of people do have parasites that are walking around their little parasite farm, not aware of it. And even testing doesn't, uh, can't identify all the parasites. They're, they can be anywhere in our brain and whatnot. And I always just tell people to do an infrared sauna because the parasites really don't like the heat. So if they can do... Even you know, goes beyond. Infrared are great. Infrared, because of the wavelength, actually structures the water intracellularly within your mitochondria. It's like one of the greatest potential beneficial things to increase the lymphatic system get structured water in there and get a high frequency so high frequency to rebalance your dna yeah i totally agree that's so many health benefits including getting rid of those parasites but you know you have to do it a while like every day for a year or two so it's not the easiest route but it's amazing um so let's talk about coffee this is yeah. uh, coffee is what everyone how everyone wants to know how can i have my coffee and still get a good night's sleep so how does coffee neg- ne- negatively impact sleep and how can one smartly incorporate it into their life without disturbing sleep? Yeah, so coffee has about a half-life of anywhere from six to eight hours, depending on what types of coffee you drink. Drip coffee has more caffeine than espresso. Ooh, shocker. So anyone drinking espresso, there's actually less caffeine in it. Depends on the beans, the roast of it too, etc., and the good quality of your water, obviously. Uh, that being said, there is a shutoff point. So if people who have sleep issues, insomnia, racing thoughts, maybe some neurotransmitter misbalances with GABA, I definitely say shutoff period for coffee would be lunch, 12 o'clock. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the coffee would have, it's quite simple. It's an organic coffee, fair trade or linear trade, even better, you know, straight from farmer to actual person. And uh, it's black. Uh, there's no creamers. There's no sugars. Uh, if you're using a drip machine, please don't use a white drip. That's bleached. You can get non-bleached ones, which are actually cheaper and really friendly for the environment, which is great. Or you can use what I use. I use a stovetop mocha. It's portable. It costs 30 bucks for the best one. And you make amazing quick shots of espresso for that. And I drink it straight black. I know a lot of people can't, but if you're a true coffee connoisseur as I am, I love my coffee black. I love the taste of it. If not, a lot of people do the whole bulletproof thing. They do some butter, some coconut oil. Uh, Other people just add maybe some almond milk with uh, some cinnamon, which is pretty cool for also blood sugar stabilization. Uh, But at the end of the day, just cut it off at lunchtime. You'll You'll be good. But I do want to make a point. There are some people, depending on their liver enzymes or pathways, like the P450 pathway, that... Their body epigenetically for the time being just can't handle coffee and they should not drink it at all. Would they know that? Is it, do they feel ca- uh, caffeine sensitive if they have yeah, that issue? Yeah, some are. Some are asymptomatic, which is the hard cases. But plain and simple, if you get sweaty palms, if you get jittery, if your heart beats up, if you get like a huge dopamine high from it, I don't think so coffee is the best for you at the given time. Okay. Well, let's talk about melatonin um, because so many people and doctors, that's their go-to. They think that they're going to be biohacking their hormones if they take melatonin. And so they think they're doing something natural as opposed to medication. So what are the issues with supplementing with melatonin or melatonin precursors like tryptophan and 5-HTP? Oh yeah, they'll biohack their way into something already. (laughs) (laughs) 
Uh, melatonin, uh, stimulated, or I should say 75% created in the GI tract, 25% created in the pineal gland. Okay. Melatonin is stimulated by the decretion, or I say stimulated by the sunset. So about three hours before bed, we have a slow release of melatonin in our bloodstream. I'm talking about like point, 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 point one of like micrograms of micromilligrams within your bloodstream. It's very, very small amounts. And this melatonin will start binding to your pineal gland receptors and then dopamine receptors will bind afterwards. And it's a beautiful cascade of neurohormone transmitters doing their work. And a lot of people today are abusing melatonin and this this process of abusing melatonin is not very healthy at all. Considering the fact that now you know that melatonin is secreted in your bloodstream of very small amounts, about three to four hours before bed, people are popping anywhere from three to like 21 grams one hour before bed. That's a real huge um, unphysiological normal dose. And then your body all of a sudden gets shocked with the synthetic melatonin in the bloodstream. And what it does, it actually decreases growth hormone. It stops a natural circadian cycle of dopamine, which may cause other people to have concentration issues and ADD issues. And also what it does, it doesn't properly attune uh, certain receptors in your body to start creating glutathione. So this whole idea of using melatonin every night and when you want it, you know, like one hour before bed, that's ludicrous. Uh, simple stuff of controlling your light is a hundred times more effective and natural than taking melatonin. Melatonin is something not to be messed around with. Yeah, I agree because it's it's impossible to try to replicate what the body is doing. It's this incredibly fine-tuned, delicate feedback loop. Yeah, listen, when it's simple as this, our body is controlled by our environment. The reason the homo, uh, the our species, the, our, the homo sapiens, controls the earth right now is because of our environment. We're dictated by our environment. Sleep, the sun controls our environment. How much we move each day controls how we sleep. Uh, you know, how we interact with each other on a day-to-day basis controls our environment. If we hang around angry people, we're angry. If we hang around happy people, we're happy. So this whole idea of just food controlling yourself is ludicrous. Your environment controls the expression of your body. Your environment controls how your body uses food. We survived the ice age. We adapted for the ice age. We left the African sub-Sahara to conquer the world. Our environment controls us. And this is the laws of epigenetics. And people need to really understand that your environment is a hundred million times more important than the foods you eat. Yeah, I agree. So, so what if someone wants to go natural and use supplements to improve their sleep? Which supplements do you believe are the most beneficial? Yeah, so like you can still use melatonin, like time release. I would use it for a week to just to reset the circadian clock, and that's it. See you later, alligator. Uh, and that would be taken about three to four hours before bedtime, and it's and it's also time release. It's sublingual, and it slowly drips into your bloodstream. That's one. Is there a brand uh, that, that you like? Brand? No, I'm not really big on brand naming. So okay. you just Google it and find it out. Okay. Um, Second, you can take also L-theanine is a sub uh, substrate from green tea is really good for sleep. Uh, magnesium is a fantastic one. So about two hours before bed, you can take some baking soda and uh, magnesium citrate and have yourself a drink is really good at relaxing uh, your muscles. Magnesium creates, sorry, ba- baking soda creates a better uh, capability for magnesium going within your cells, which is really good. Those are two simple steps. But at the end of the day, light, light light is the number one like do not be in front of light two hours before bed like it's simple don't stare at your computer no electronics no tv no ipad no none of that stuff like out 
your your two hours before bed should be your time to relax, enjoy it with your partner, enjoy it with your kids, read a book, have some fun family time, do something that's relaxing for the soul. Technology today is killing us. It's like a vampire draining our energy on a day-to-day basis. I know. I feel it slowly killing me because <laughs> I'm in love with my computer and my iPhone. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's going it, to be the end of me. We get that dopamine high. Oh, I got a message. I got an email. People are talking to me. It's crazy. And it's funny. I was just reading an article on Lifehacker yeah, on the computer. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> they're talking about, oh, people th- think the world is becoming a better social place. In reality, it's not. Uh, the internet is actually making people less social in real life. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, but even though I feel so social, I'm just, I'm sitting at home by myself. So, um, what about calcium? Is calcium a good mineral to relax you, to help you no, sleep? No, calcium's horrible. No, no one should be taking calcium. Magnesium controls, uh, intake and outward, uh, release of calcium from your cells. Basically calcium goes in your cell, magnesium kicks calcium out. That's how the process works. Okay. Simple as that. Magnesium, magnesium is like the parents saying, here, calcium, go here or go there. So we're deficient in magnesium. I don't care if you're eating organic food, our soil is depleted. It controls our glutathione, our master antioxidant. It controls our reproduction of our DNA. It controls about 10% of our genetic sequencing. So always focus on magnesium. And why do you think people feel great when they take like an Epsom salt bath before bed? It's magnesium. You yeah. have now transdermal magnesium. It soaks through your skin, goes in your blood, and you feel like a million bucks and you sleep like a baby. So as simple as that. So uh, roughly half of my clients have digestive issues ranging from IBS to constipation. It's such a huge problem. So and many of them have sleep issues as well. Is there a connection? Sorry, repeat that? Well, is there a connection between um, sleep disorders and issues and IBS and constipation digestive disorders? Yeah, it goes back to the signaling to the brain once again with uh, the cytokines, the taxi drivers uh, deliver messages of pain or discomfort and it goes with histamine and goes with cortisol dysregulation, goes with your immune system, with the vitamin D. So there's a huge thing with vitamin D and sleep with serotonin. And if you have IBS or Crohn's or colitis or any of uh, any AI issue, your vitamin D is being depleted at an exponential rapid rate. So that's something people need to focus on. Likewise with magnesium, that permeability is causing even healthy foods such as tubers or nightshades. These proteins cause molecular mimicry within your blood, causing other issues. So yeah, that's huge. And that should be addressed right away uh, at the same time as improving your sleep. So figuring out, well, how can I, in a simplistic way, try to address my IBS? Maybe... Maybe just focus on vitamin D right now, going outside, walking, grounding, uh, then controlling my light environment, getting better sleep, maybe taking more Epsom salt baths or putting on transdermal magnesium cream, whatever the case may be. Each case is unique. There's no such thing as general protocols. That's ludicrous. Uh, We're not robots. You know, Wendy and I aren't robot A and Mike over there is not robot B. So each of us have our own unique protocols that we need to do and figure out for ourselves. So definitely there's a huge connection and uh, you have to work on all levels into uh to achieve optimal health and is there a connection between serotonin production and poor melatonin production say you're in your gut i've i've heard that about 90 percent of your serotonin or 95 percent is produced in your gut and if you have gut issues then you're not making the serotonin the body needs to that converts that into melatonin yeah it goes back to uh, your biome certain anaerobic to aerobic bacteria ratios um a lot of problems a lot of people are trying to like inoculate or re-inoculate uh, with probiotics which some work some don't the problem being if you have like permeability of your gi tract which then you have permeability of your cells so leaky cells 
these uh, probiotics that you're taking don't really have a house to stay at. So just like a home, you're not going to build your roof before you build your foundation, right? So you need your foundation first, then the roof goes on. So first we need to like address this permeability of your gut, the permeability of your cells before addressing the bacteria. There's no such thing as bad bacteria. When I hear like, oh my God, I got to kill these bad bacteria, such as candida. Uh, candida is not a bacteria, it's fungi. But anyways, kill these bad bacteria. I'm like, wait a second. You know, it's part of you, right? Like it's, you are it. It's like you saying, oh, I have a misbehaved child. I'm going to kill my own child. No, you're not. You're just going to teach your child how to behave. So it's about finding why are your bacteria in a screwed up ratio? Like why are they misbehaving in your body? And it goes back to environment too. So once again, are you walking throughout the day? Are you drinking enough uh, water? Are are your vitamin D levels good? What's happening with your magnesium? What's happening with the quality of foods? The big one that people don't think about is the quality of your environment where you sleep. I found out in one of my old residents, I used to live, I had mold. It was screwing me up. Well, goodbye mold, hello health. Like it was, it was that rapid, bang, bang, boom. So really look at where you live. You live in an apartment, you better double check your apartment. You live in a house, you better double check your house. Your environment dictates your health more than your food. So can you give the audience a few tips about how to get the best night's rest possible? Yeah, very simple. Go to bed at 10, two hours before bed, no electronics, no lights. Uh, there's no ifs for buds. I can't stress that enough. That's like the omega optimal tip I can tell you for anybody listening to the podcast right now. No lights before bed. Like, eh, none of that. Uh, take an Epsom salt bath, read a book. Like, so what I do sometimes is I'll pour two cups of baking soda in the water. Uh, I'll also put how much, maybe four to five cups of Epsom salts in it. I'll have four to five candles beside me and I read a book for like 45 minutes and just chill out. It's relaxing, therapeutic. By the time I get out, see you later. I'm in la la land. Uh, so that's really good. Uh, another great thing is a lot of people who have family spend time with your kids, like around if your kids are going to go to bed around 8 o'clock, that's when there's no electronics. So wish them good night. Read them a book. Talk to them as a, as a parent. Or not even a parent, as a friend. Forget this whole parenting. Talk to them as a friend and be like, hey, how's, how's your day going? What's up? You know, what's cool and all that stuff. So definitely it's time to reconnect as humans and forget this artificial world we're living in. Really come back to simplicity and just talking to each other and giving time for us to, to build on ourselves. So what do you think about sleep masks and blackout curtains? Because you, you said earlier that the our skin has light receptors, and I thought I was being a genius by using a sleep mask, so that's a little upsetting to me that there's always, you know, most people live in the city, they've got lights coming through the window. There's street lights and security lights and whatnot. So what are your tips to create that environment for good sleep? Yeah, sleep masks are fantastic. Uh, definitely use them. If you live in a condo or a house where street light is coming in, that's a huge problem. So you don't have to get fancy curtains. Like you can go to like Fabricland or some store and get like black curtains, like 10 bucks and just put them up. Anything that can block out any light from entering your room is fantastic. Also that goes with alarm clocks. Like you should not have alarm clocks blaring at your face. Keep them across the room. In fact, I tell most of my clients no electronics in your room. If you rely on your cell phone, keep it on airplane mode outside of your room for two reasons. Uh, one, you don't want the electromagnetic radiation going through your head. It has a three-foot radius on any electronic device and some more. That's just radiation. That's not EMF. Uh, second of all, when your alarm goes on, 
Like in the morning, you don't have the opportunity to hit snooze like most people do. So you actually have to get out of bed to go get your alarm. That's what I have to do. (laughs) Yeah, so many people hit snooze, snooze, snooze. No, well, if you have your alarm clock in another room and you can hear it, you better believe you're going to get up. You're getting up. So those are simple tips that people can start doing right away. And what about EMFs? How are EMFs a problem? Well, EMF is quite simple. Uh, EMF is a frequency, just like our body runs on the Schumann frequency, the same uh, frequency as the Earth. So like anywhere from 7 to 10 hertz. Now, EMF, think of this. You have two trains. One train is our frequency and the other train is EMF frequency. And two trains are going head on to each other. What's going to happen? They're going to collide, right? So when you have two frequencies vibrating on each other, it causes a problem. So what EMF does in our body, and there's so many studies too. So in one way, I'm just going to correlate it to the brain. It actually activates heat shock proteins. And these proteins are located on your cell. And these heat shock proteins actually explode and cause cell permeability, so leaky cells. EMF also dehydrates the water in your cells. So if you take like, Jack Cruz talks about this a lot. If you take a steak and you put it in the microwave and what happens to steak afterwards? It's very dry. Well, it's because you just cooked the water right out of the cells of the steak. It's no difference with us. Like when you have EMF, you're dehydrating your actual cells. You're disrupting the permeability of your cells. What does that cause? That causes mutation, that causes a lack of ATP, that causes your mitochondria to fail. Yeah, Jack Cruz, he's talked about how EMFs are one of the leading causes of obesity, in his opinion, yeah, for, that, for that reason. Um, yeah, and so for anyone not in the know, EMFs are electromagnetic fields, um, so the, for the newbies out there. So I have one more question that I like to ask all my guests. What do you think is the most pressing health issue in the world today? Our access to clean water. Honestly. With the rate of the acidity going in the oceans right now, so it's dropping more and more becoming acidic, the oceans, uh, the quality of fresh water from Russia to Canada and the access to it. And uh, yeah, pretty much that's it. Like that water is the life force of us. We are water. Without water, we die. So that's a commonality among all humans around the world. And we have to start focusing on the quality of water, not this garbage city water or this mumbo water you you drink on a day to day, that's not real water. Pure, high grade, natural earth water. And we really need to start focusing on that. And second, we become air quality. Without proper O2 levels, we obviously die. So that's huge. Like those are the basics, you know, structures and elements of life on this planet. There's three. You got water, you have air, and you have light. Those those dictate life. Yeah, I agree with you on the water because I think I always tell all my clients only drink spring water. None of this reverse osmosis. Like only no one, man can't imitate or uh, you know refabricate water in certain ways and how it occurs naturally within the earth. But a lot of our groundwater is contaminated, so I always tell people just to get spring water from really remote places on earth. Yeah, it's hard. Even for something like reverse osmosis is good for some that don't have access and you can like remineralize it yourself and actually use uh, salts and uh, certain like, um, I don't know, it gets kind of like voodoo over here and use crystals, but they actually work to actually restructure the water and uh, being, you know, affirming it, you know, saying grace to your water. A lot of people don't have grace anymore. It's funny. Like if you look at like ancient cultures, 
And if I look at my grandmother, what she used to do, we used to say prayers before our food. Thank you for this food. Thank you. It was in, honestly, you feel better. It sends in this emotional vibration to the food and actually creates a better structured molecules for you to eat. Yeah, that's really interesting. You know, I'm definitely one for having gratitude for what we have. So can you tell the listeners a little bit more about you and where they can find you? Yeah, anyone can reach me on my website. It's AM2E, so A-M-E-E-R-R-O-S-I-C, or YouTube, same thing. Everything's underneath my name. If you want more information for sleeps, I've created a specialized sleep program which guides you step-by-step. It shows exactly how to control your environment, what foods to eat, what supplements to take, and many more. Even interviews with the world experts, how your hormones work. It's the real deal. It's a step-by-step simple solution where you can find it on sleepsolutionsystem.com. Yeah, it's really, really good. I highly recommend it for anyone. So uh, thank you so much, Amira, for coming on the show. I have so many questions for you uh, about sleep, but it's, you know, it's hard to cover everything in one show. Uh, but I'm thrilled that you agreed to come on and help my listeners troubleshoot their sleep issues uh, because I believe this is one of the top issues undermining people's health today because you just can't be healthy unless you get adequate sleep. And so, if, everyone, if you want to learn more about health, you can follow me on Facebook and Twitter at I Will Live to 110. And I'm also on YouTube at Wendy Live to 110 and Instagram and Pinterest at Live to 110. So, thank you so much. Thank you, Wendy. All right. Thank you, Amir. If you want to learn more about health, you can follow me on Facebook and Twitter at I Will Live to 110. I'm also on YouTube at Wendy Live to 110. And you can also find me on Pinterest and Instagram. I'm all over the place, all over the net. If you like what you heard on the show today, please give the Live to 110 podcast a nice review and rating in iTunes. I need that to get higher up on the charts and to get into the search engines, get visible on the search engines so that more people can find me and learn about health and wellness. I would appreciate that so much. Thank you listeners for tuning in. Remember, life is something that happens when you can't get to sleep. Thank you so much for listening to the Live to 110 podcast.